Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome to CTH Podcast with Eric Heisman and, and Cody Sadian. Uh, uh, Pogue. Pogue, yeah. Uh, we've met in person, but this is the first time we'll be doing a radio show together, and we are the two um, experts over at Climbing Tows Hill. Uh, it is a fan-sided site, and we have a lot of good writers over there, including Mr. Bags for Hall of Fame, the guy who's been um, trying to support Bagwell's uh, quest to get in the Hall of Fame, and he finally has. So um, uh, this first time, we've actually got a chance to talk about it. Uh, give me some thoughts about Bagwell getting into the Hall of Fame, and what does that mean to you? Well, Bagwell getting into the Hall of Fame obviously means a lot. You know, you grew up watching the guy. He really uh, really meant a lot to this franchise over the years, along with Biggio. Just kind of validation of what this Astros team was in the 90s and the early 2000s up to that World Series appearance. Uh, kind of brings the point home of, like, wow, like the two main leaders of those teams are in the Hall of Fame. That means something. Uh, and the fact, too, that, uh, you know, a lot of voters, you know, of course, there's always some some voters had question marks about Bagwell, you know, was he connected to PEDs? Of course, there was no evidence of any sort of uh, PED use on his part, but it's just nice to know that he was validated and that he's finally in. You really feel good for him. Yeah, I was able to go to Cooperstown, and um, I didn't really get a chance to actually talk to Bagwell, but I got to uh, be there while the, he, he was getting interviewed because – I got press pass. That's what you see over there. That that's my first official press pass. That Hall of Fame right there. Oh, so nice. I got that with 790. But anyway, uh, yeah, we're gonna start a weekly podcast. Uh, we're gonna try to do it weekly, and we'll see how it goes from there. But uh, this is gonna be based through uh, Climbing Towers Hill, and we're gonna talk about stuff that we're writing about. We're going to uh, tell you about some of our posts, so you can go check them out because we got some good stuff out there, and uh, a lot of people are reading our stuff, and a lot of people are talking Astros, and it's crazy. So, And uh, we came up with a slogan. I don't know uh, if you're going to like it, but you're listening to CTH Podcast, where we bring Tows Hill back to life to talk Astros baseball. Woo-hoo. Uh Maybe I'll shorten it a little bit or something, <laughs> but um, that's kind of like my talking Stros thing. And so anyway... So let's get started with the show. Um, first of all, you can find me at Eric underscore CTH, and you can find Cody where? At, under, uh, at Cody underscore CTH as well. And uh, if you'd like to call into the show, you can go and call in at uh, 347-850-8823. And I'm not sure if anybody's be listening uh, this time because this is kind of our first broadcast, so we'll see how things go. But uh, yeah, you can listen. You can call in anytime and Let's talk some Astros. It's the off season. The Astros just won the World Series. Let's celebrate. Let's get excited. Let's get pumped up. And let's trash talk the Rangers. The Rangers had some bad news this week, didn't they? Oh, yes. Uh, let's just say there was a lot of bull involved uh, with uh, <laughs> Martin Perez. You know, of course, you feel sorry for him. You hate to see anybody injured their arm. But to the fact that it's the Rangers, you know, that only helps the Astros cause next season. But... That rotation for the Rangers with Mar Perez going down, at least the way they're talking, at least through the first um, first of May, you know, that only just gives more distance between them and the Astros. I would think, even with their additions of Doug Fister, Mike Miner, uh, Mike Miner, you know, uh, the Astros they should feel pretty good about their chances about facing that Rangers pitching staff next year. Especially, you know, this is uh, this is still a really good uh, lineup. They didn't really really lose anybody of note this offseason, so. Uh, this Astros lineup could be, in theory, even better than they were last year. Okay, you'll get used to this. I'm very ADD, and I got 
sidetracked right there uh, looking at this stuff, and I thought you were saying the Rangers had a very good lineup, and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, this ain't going to work. We're going to have to cancel this podcast. <laughs> this ain't happening. Burn the ship down. Burn it down. All right, all right. So um, now since we talked about uh, the Rangers, uh, that's a great way to start, start the show. Let's talk about the World <laughs> Series. The World Series. They actually won the World Series, and did you ever think this would happen? Uh, I was, I had my doubts. Um, uh, personal history real quick. My grandfather was a fan of the Astros from the time they were born as a Colt 45s in 1962. He saw and made the World Series in 05. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2012. But he always told me, he's like, just seeing the World Series was something, anything on top of that was just gravy. And I, I was thinking throughout the last few years, I'm like, oh my gosh, I may have the exact same uh, fandom as my grandfather did. And and may only see them make it once more or twice more. But the fact that they actually made it and won a World Series game was huge, especially a, a World Series game in Houston. Yeah, and that, that uh, I think it was game two they got their first win, right? Yes, yes. And that, that was a big moment in Astros history, and it was coming after George Springer had the worst game of his career. <laughs> oh, he had the golden sombrero, and oh, yeah. uh, he was just – he looked devastated, and everybody – uh, I think we had talking strobes. Uh, yeah, we had talking strobes afterwards, and everybody's like, "You've got to bench Springer. He sucks. He, uh, he should not be in the roster." And then what does what do he do? He goes on and becomes the World Series MVP. Go figure. Oh yeah, that just teaches you the type of, you know, the player Springer is. He'll have a one bad game, he'll turn it around. That's kind of the story on Springer is he could be a bit of a streaky hitter at times, but when he's on, goodness, watch out. He's he's just as dangerous as Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa, even more so when he's on. Right. So um, anyway, so uh, I know you kind of talked about doing a blog before. Um, oops. Okay, there's your voice if you want to know what you sound like. <laughs> That's what I sound like. All right, oh, let no. me go and close that so we don't hear Cody uh, <laughs> squared there. So anyway, uh, so or was that my voice? I think that was my voice. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> well, yeah, who cares? All right. So um, anyway, but uh, so what made you want to do a blog? I uh, mean, sorry, a podcast. Oh, uh, just another way to really uh, voice my opinion about uh, just you know being able to writing about is great, but just also using my voice and it's just another avenue that I could feel like I could spread my more what I consider my Astros baseball knowledge. Uh, some people may see it as differently, but you know it, it's. It's good all the way around. So which one's the better game, game two or game uh, five? Oh, that's tough. Because uh, game seven of the World Series, yes, the Astros won, but it was there was no drama there. Yeah, it was pretty much a hand by like, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, by the, like the fifth inning. But yeah, I, I honestly thought that um, game five was slightly, slightly better in regard to just how dramatic it was, the whole, you know, the back and forth all game long, you know, the Yuli Gurriel game time three, uh, three run homer off of Kershaw on the fourth. Then you had the Jose Altuve three run homer to respond to Cody Bellinger. And, uh, and it's just, it was just really, uh, both games were very good, but I had just have to give the edge to the game five, just on the pure dramatics of it. Just the fact that, you know, there's a home game, Minute Maid Park, big time atmosphere. It, you can't, you can't beat that type of game. Yeah, I agree, and uh, that's one of those – I mean, my wife, I still catch her. Um, I don't know where she gets it. I don't know if it's on Facebook or she goes and looks it up, but she still goes back um, 
she's like doing something and I hear them and Springer goes back and uh, all that stuff. And uh, so everybody's just pumped. And uh, I don't know if you bought the World Series uh, C- uh, DVD yet, but I watched that a little bit. And it's just awesome going back and seeing everything happen. And um, I just remember game seven. It wasn't it wasn't a question of whether they would win. I think uh, I don't remember who scored first or whatever. I th- was it Springer's homer or? Oh, uh, the, the Springer scored. I think. Uh, oh, that's right. He scored on uh, Bregman's uh, ground. I think his, his ground ball that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That Bellinger missed through the Darvish. Yeah, but I just kind of knew that that was the moment, and so. Um, so anyway, uh, so World Series is awesome. We'll probably talk about that every every show, uh, but let's talk about what's going on. Uh, let's talk about the the transactions we made last year. What was the best transaction? And Justin Verlander does not count. Oh, oh, okay. Thanks for doing that. Uh, let's see. The Josh Reddick acquisition was actually pretty good, uh, considering that uh, a lot of people kind of bellyaches a little bit about the contract they did give Reddick. Uh, overall, you couldn't. Reddick had a pretty good season. Uh, you know, he posted. Uh, an F war of uh, three and a half wins, you know, a 127 WRC plus, uh, you know, that was significantly higher than he did last year with the A's and the Dodgers. And um, I think the Reddick acquisition was a really good one. Uh, Beltron, uh, he was brought in for his mentorship, his leadership, you know, that carries certain tangible value along with it. But in terms and actual results, he really didn't produce all that well. Um, Nori Aoki, he, uh, he only lasted about half the year, but Hey, he got Aaron judge out as a pitcher. So yeah, there's always that moment in, in time. And then, um, yeah, it, I think the Reddick acquisition though, was probably the best one of the group when you consider the value that he provides at the club, he provides stability and right enable spring to go into center field, uh, uh, and of course, you can't forget about Brian McCann. Brian McCann really solidified. That, that. was going to be my choice. I would have said Brian McCann or Charlie Morton. Um, or yeah, because I mean, yes, he wasn't a superstar in the regular season, but he wasn't bad, and he just he turned it on mm-hmm. in the playoffs, it, with the exception of that one game versus the Yankees. And if you remember that game, uh, that was a lot of lucky hits and mm-hmm. just. Uh, Maybin, uh, I think that was the game that Maybin missed the ball totally. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was like one where everybody was kind of like, maybe, maybe could have had that if, you know, he was going full out. But yeah, that Charlie Morin, you know, that was another really good acquisition. Uh, and yeah, he really turned it on. And, and after, especially after that Yankees uh, start, those last couple of games he pitched, he really was a revelation. Right. So anyway, so, um, I, I think uh, Brian McCann just brought this leadership to the. Um, it, I think he helped the pitching staff. Mm-hmm. I think he hit the. He helped the lineup, and I'm kind of worried about. Uh, I don't know if they're really going to go through with this, but is Max Stassi really the backup catcher, and is Gaddis really the full time DH? Oh, that see, that's the thing is, like, I understand the draw of having Gaddis as your DH, but historically for his career, his splits have not been kind as a DH. He has to right. be catching to be, it seems like, to be fully involved as a hitter. And Max Stassi, I like his defense well enough, but I, I, I have legitimate questions about how well his back could carry over into the majors in a full-time role. Uh and that leads to like uh, one uh, one backup catcher that could be uh, that's been rumored a little bit has been uh, like Jonathan Lucroy. You know, could he come in and be kind? Could he and McCann be one A and one B 
But, yeah. of course, there's going to probably be a lot of suitors for Luke Roy. So. Yeah, and uh, we talked about that on Talking Strohs a lot, especially with Jeremy Booth. And the, the issue with LaCroix is if you bring him in, he would not be your backup guy. He would be the guy who uh, maybe splits catching time with McCann, but he'll also play first base. He'll also DH. He, he, a player like that at this t- point of his career, he still deserves a full-time role. And I don't know if the Astros can do that. And I, I just I, – I think that they will. The only thing that we've talked about that could potentially work is if we say, okay, LaCroix, what's up, dude? Um, you're you're going to be backup catcher. We'll get you play first base. We'll get you play catcher. But in 2019, when McCann's gone, you're the guy. How do you feel about that? That could definitely be in the cards. Uh, if I'm LaCroix, I'd probably have my ears perked because, you know – this is a solid roster, you know, uh, the talent's there. You know you're going to be competing for a good number of years. You know, he came up with Milwaukee, had that one uh, calendar year with the Rangers, you know, played a little bit for the Rockies last year. Of course, made the wild card game there, but they got knocked out by the Diamondbacks. Uh, I think he'd definitely be interested, especially when you consider that uh, he did turn down trade to the Indians and look where the Indians are as an organization right now. I think he'd be a little bit – I. I think he does want to play for a contender. So um, I'm hopeful that uh, if that's the Astros' plan, if that's something they consider doing, I'm hopeful that is the route they go with him. I think he would be a good fit in that role. The thing you have to worry about is the fact that Jay Bruce came out today and uh, through a report, and he said that he was interested in signing with the Astros and the Giants. But – they were told he was told by both clubs that they didn't have the money to sign him. So if they don't have the money to sign a, a player like Jay Bruce, why would they go out and sign Lacroix? I have the answer, but uh, I want to see what you think. Exactly. Uh, like that's a good point. Like I really think uh, like Jay Bruce, in a theory, he could help out this Astros roster. But like your point saying, like with Lacroix, if they don't have the money to sign Jay Bruce, why can they sign Lacroix? Uh, the only the only thing is, is Luke Croy may, you may be able to get him more on the cheap. Like, kind of may, if any potential deal you do sign him to, backload it a little bit to kind of have that extra sense. Say, hey, you'll get paid. Backload it? Do you know the, the money that we're going to have to pay out pretty soon with some of these players like Altuve and Springer? You want to backload the contract? <laughs> I'm talking oh, you're about crazy. <laughs> I'm talking about a, a reasonable backload for about like three, three years. So, oh, okay. But, but I, 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 actually, that's a good point. I'm not even quite sure what Luke Roy's market value is this year, considering the. He's his, coming off a down season. How old is he? Thirty. Uh, 30- Luke Roy is. I don't have it in front of me. Sorry. Let's see. Easy enough to look up. Yeah, but um, so I know we already talked about state of team, and according to I saw earlier, you had it was um, Fangraphs. They had the Astros having the leading WAR in baseball. And uh, was Jonathan LaCroix's age before you? Uh, Jonathan LaCroix's age before we go delve too much further. He's 31 yeah, years right. old. He'll so be, about 31. He'll be 32 uh, later this summer. So yeah, he he's definitely not a spring chicken, but uh, he still brings a lot of. Value. And he's coming off a down year, and he mm-hmm. played at Arlington and in Colorado. Yeah. So those are pretty good hitting parks. So mm-hmm. if he can't hit there. Yeah, if he can't hit in uh, Arlington or, Col- or Coors Park in Col- uh, Denver, like then yeah, he's got issues as a hitter. I actually think 
if he wanted to, he could probably sign a one-year deal with Colorado even and rebuild his value in a pretty good way there. But, of course, you know, the the draw playing for a contender, you know, the Rockies, they kind of vary with that pitching staff. But, but anyway, but, yeah, Lucroy to me, is one of the more intriguing options for the Astros this offseason. But, it, like, you, like you kind of um, hinted towards, it's really going to come down, I believe, uh, to the package and the money he's going to get. So my answer is the fact that Jay Bruce is still kind of young. He's still kind of great. He had a great season last year, and he's wanting a more long-term deal. While LaCroix is, I mean, he's like you said, he's no spring chicken, but he's only 31, but he's coming off a down year. He may be willing to sign a one-year deal to reestablish his value, but we don't know that. So um, I just, I really, really don't see the Astros going after any more hitting you know why? Preston Tucker. We had to let Preston Tucker go. Who else are we going to have to let go if we sign another player? That's the question. Exactly. And uh, losing a, like a hitter like Preston Tucker, when he first came up, he had a pretty good debut with the Astros. Uh, he was a, if you go by WRC Plus, he was a slightly above average hitter. You know, of course, uh, if you read him, uh, one of my latest uh, posts on Climbing Tiles Hill, where they the where they announced the trade, I included a video link where he had that solo home run against the Angels in September of 15, where the Astros sparked that rally. That sparked the rally. Jed Lowry hit that three-run homer late, and that was around the time where the Astros were sliding, and Preston Tucker, in a way, helped stop the bleeding. And uh, I think it will be understated like the debt he provided. And of course, I think it was a, in terms of you know you look at the Braves. I think that's a good landing spot for him to get actual meaningful playing time again. So, Yeah, I was able to reach out to him and wish him luck, and I, I really hope he gets a chance because he's a good hitter. And I think, um, I mean, don't quote me on this, but the Astros, the hitters who know how to hit, they'll hit. The, the hitters who can hit, who sometimes struggle, the A.J. Reeds, the John Singleton, uh, the just people that ten, tend to struggle even though they're good. Maybe they just don't have the right people coaching them. Maybe they don't know how to fix somebody. And that's that's the issue that we couldn't fix Gomez, but I think Gomez was just more of a head case. And so, but I don't know. Uh, speaking of that, A.J. Reed. I I think that uh, A.J. Reed could uh, change that catcher decision. Because if A.J. Reed comes into spring training, A, lighter, because he was, uh, was kind of big, and B, if he's hitting well, he could force his way on the team as the left-handed complement to Gaddis, and then there would be no room for Stassi. But then again, you have Tyler White, and then you have Colin Moran. Then you have Tony Kemp. This is why we can't bring in Jay Bruce or Jonathan LaCroix. We have too many people stalling out at AAA. And I know you have to have depth. I understand that. But uh, look what happened to Preston Tucker. He just... He didn't have a place with the team, and he was he's probably one of them. He's probably was, he wasn't the best prospect ever, but he was a top prospect coming up, and uh, he just he showed the signs of being one of those guys, and when he just got in trouble, there's no way, no, no one knew how to fix him, and he would go down AAA, then he would start hitting again. So uh, there, I just hope that he, he has some coaches who can work with him, and I just I really wish him luck because he – I'm I'm a miss saying a bam bam double, and that type thing. So anyway, yeah, uh, the whole thing with uh, you know like going back to Tucker, Moran, White, uh, Kemp, Reed, Singleton, 
is I think a lot of their issues is let's not mention Singleton on the show again, please. Okay, okay. But the whole big thing with a lot of them is just the fact that they're they're always shuffled back and forth between Fresno and Houston. Fresno and Houston. They don't ever get that long extended audition like this team could have afforded uh, to these guys like three or four years ago. And I think that does play a part in uh, how they approach the game and uh, and how they're able to produce. Uh, I'm like you though. If like AJ Reed can turn it on this year, like he actually uh, hit fairly well in AAA with the Grizzlies, you know, the batting average won't uh, won't impress a lot of people. But you know, 124 WRC plus in AAA, he he walks nearly 13 percent of the time. Uh, he, he's going to have some issues with strikeouts, but he's a he's a power guy, and you would think if he can uh, ever get that lined up in the majors, he can force some playing time there. Uh, Colin Moran has been rumored, I believe, a couple of days ago to be even been uh, maybe getting an audition in left field, right. which may kind of move Marwin Gonzalez back into his full-time roving role all over the uh, uh, diamond. And uh, Tom, no, Marwin Gonzalez is not your left fielder. He's going to play mm-hmm. occasionally, but I think uh, Derek Fisher will get a very good shot in left field. And um, I think uh, Derek Fisher's kind of the thing that a lot of these prospects didn't count on they didn't see him shooting up this fast and he bypassed everybody and we're gonna see that again this year with Kyle Tucker I think Uh, I think at some point this uh, maybe in September we may see Kyle Tucker depending on need and how he's doing but um, this this team has a lot of future and uh, I just think that this it that the future is bright and uh Happy trails, um, Preston Tucker. Happy trails, Mike Fires. Mm-hmm. Happy trails, Luke Gregerson. All the players that are gone. Uh, let's just let's move on with what we got. So, um, you kind of, we're talking about the state of the team. Uh, so, what was um, the Fangraphs? Yeah, Fangraphs. They have a, if, you, if you ever get a chance, go to their depth chart projections, and they'll list the teams are projected like as far as their bat, uh, their batting or their pitching or their total WAR and what you can expect. So, for example, the Astros are currently first in projected WAR between their uh, between their uh, 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 of all the teams with 51.2 uh, wins above replacement. That's a, a roughly a game and a half better than the Dodgers even. So the, the the projections are loving the Astros. Just throwing that out there. I think currently the Astros are projected to win 97 games. In 2018, and that would actually put them uh, three games. Uh, that's three games higher than the Dodgers in the projected standings. Right. And uh, for everybody who's stressing about the Angels, about picking, uh, acquiring Shohei Otani, Ian Kinsler, Zach Kozar. This is updated. Uh, yes, yeah, this is updated. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, I think uh, I think all the transactions are official. But right now, the Angels are still only projected to win 86 games. And for people that are really concerned about the Yankees. You know, Giancarlo Stanton deal has been official for a while now. They're projected to win 91, but of course, Giancarlo Stanton added about like two to three wins by himself in that regard. Right. But right now, the projections still love the Astros. Um, projections can always be wrong, but at the same time, too, uh, you have to be encouraged. Now, just remember, like I said, projections could be wrong. The projections have been wrong about the Baltimore Orioles for a while, and we all know the Baltimore Orioles have a lot of holes, so anything can happen. Or the Rangers uh, two years ago with their whole Oh, look at our record in one-run games. Yeah, shut up about that. <laughs> yeah, so 
I think uh, there's going to be a lot of competition in American League, and like you've written about a couple times, people are trying to catch up with the Astros, and they're trying. Uh, there's a new um, dog in town, and everybody's trying to catch up to it. And so I don't know. I think the Astros are still at presently the best team in the AL. The Yankees may have a case, uh, health depending, and which Aaron Judge is it? Is it the the July and August guy, or is it the rest of the season guy? Because the July August guy, he struck out left and right, and uh, so. But anyway, so uh, what about the move so far? What have the Astros done to become champions? Let's pull out the old Drayton Drain McLean. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Uncle Drayton. Oh, that brings me back. But yeah, so far this offseason, they haven't really made, uh, outside of uh, acquiring a couple of bullpen arms, they haven't really made uh, any noteworthy acquisitions. Of course, I am a big fan of the Hector Rondon acquisition. I'm also really liking the fact that they picked up, uh, my mind's going blank. Joe Smith. Joe Smith, that's it. I know it's a real generic name. I really love that acquisition. FYI, if you didn't know, Joe Smith was one of the best relievers against right-handed uh, hitters last year. Uh, the only two uh, relievers that were better against right-handed hitters were, uh, were Kenley Jansen and uh, Craig Krimble. Uh, Krimble. Uh, and, of course, you should all remember those two. The Astros kind of got to them in the postseason. But anyway, but that's encouraging company to be with regardless. You know, uh, Joe Smith, he was kind of a kind of an anchor in that Indians Bullpen, and that was also another benefit is you took away from the Indians and added to the Astros, and it was just a overall and the the price the the contracts they gave both Rondon and Smith were very very favorable contracts. They didn't uh, their annual value was not that high, you know the length was just right. So it was really for a contending club like the Astros, especially the going rate of relievers now, it was good value. There's uh, I think either way you any way you slice it, it was really good value. Yeah, it doesn't make you go wow, but uh, Charlie Morton didn't make us go wow last year. Exactly. And Josh Reddick didn't really make us go mm-hmm. wow. And everybody's looking for that the next Charlie Morton, and there's really not another Charlie Morton on the on the free agent market. Like Tyler Chatwood, who recently signed with the Cubs, I believe, for three years and $38 million. He was kind of viewed upon as this year's Charlie Morton. But look, still look at the fact that Charlie Morton signed two years, $14 million. He, he Regardless, of, unless Chatwood becomes Jake Arrieta 2.0, uh, Charlie Morin, you know, he his 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 value is I think is that much greater for Houston. And oh boy, I still can't. I still go back to Game Seven. I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you that we signed you, Charlie. Thank you. Yeah. And um, speaking of uh, which, is perfect transition uh, with Jake Arrieta. Uh, let's talk about who's still left out there and what the heck is going on with all this you Darvish talk. He sucks, doesn't he? Uh, look, at, look, he couldn't even get the Astros out in the World Series. Why would the Astros be meeting with him? That makes no sense. <laughs> cough, cough, uh, tipping pitches. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, you Darvish. That could be fixed, by the way. Yes, yes. It's a very fix- uh, fixable uh, issue. Losing 10 miles on your fastball, that can't be fixed. No, 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 no. Um, if you, anytime you lose velocity, yeah, stay away. But uh, yeah, you Darvish. That's an interesting. Uh, that that'll be an interesting choice. Uh, obviously, he had a little bit of a down uh, downturn in his uh, career the last year or two. After especially he after still Thomas struck Johnson. out two hundred six hitters last year. Exactly, and he and and that's the thing is there's a lot to like about you uh, Darvish. And think about this for a second. Yeah, he struggled with Texas at the beginning part of the season, but when he got to the Dodgers, they kind of 
did kind of like a reset on Darvish, and he pitched fairly well. He pitched like 49 uh, innings for the Dodgers in the regular season and had numbers comparable to his career averages. So I think uh, Darvish, I think sometimes it was a change of scenery. Also getting to the Dodgers, one of the more uh, savvy teams when it comes to analytics and uh, what they can do for players that come, to, uh, that come to their team. I think it was just a good fit there. And hopefully with that, he can be able to reestablish himself uh, going forward. But uh, you Darvish, to me, if for the right price, he'd be a good addition to this Astros club, especially we consider the uncertainty surrounding around well, two things. The injury situations of the past two years with Dallas Keuchel and Lance McCullers, and then Dallas Keuchel's future with this club beyond 2018. Those are, to me, the two biggest issues with the rotation. On face value, this rotation going to 2018 is very good with Justin Verlander. you got good potential top of the three. But at the same time, too, it doesn't take much for And we found, the, uh, found this out the hard way this past season. There's not uh, – the little stains can throw the rotation disarray, and all of a sudden you're leaning on Brad Peacock. And uh, hey, he did good. He did good. He did good. I give him that. He did really well. And also uh, leaning on Mike Fires, which who uh, besides a two month stretch, uh, yeah, those were, I kind of have whiplash still from watching all those Mike Fires home runs. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about Mike Fires. Um, all right, we have breaking news. The Rockets have officially lost their winning streak. I think it snapped at 14 games. Yeah, four, I think 14. Yeah. yeah, they lose to the Lakers, and now we can move past the streak because uh, everybody's talking about, ooh, can they reach 22? Can they reach 22? That's not they, – they, they have to learn to lose, mm-hmm. and so they know how to win. So anyway, let's uh, talk to Masters. Yeah, I wrote about that yesterday kind of after you wrote your article, and I think that the Astros are very – concerned about whether they can re-sign Dallas Keuchel because he is a former Cy Young Award winner. Uh, he's Look at his arbitration numbers. He had pretty high arbitration numbers anyway, so he's going to require a lot of money, and he's already signed on with Scott Boris. And so there's a lot of things that maybe leans that Dallas Keuchel may not be back. Um, I know, like he tweeted, he said uh, he's always – pitch well he's always pitched his heart out for the Astros and I agree with that so but if his if his destiny lies elsewhere the Astros need a backup plan yes Forrest Whit, uh, Whitley could be that guy but you can't count on him to be your ace right away he's going to have some growing pains like uh, Francis Martez had some growing pains last year so why are the Dodgers the Astros actually looking at Dar- Darvish or this has not come out or anything this is just my opinion I think they're going to make a good run at Arietta, but they don't have any money. So, but it goes back to the, uh, what if you can get Darvish or Arietta for what, cheaper than what you could have paid Dallas Keuchel? Yeah, you have extra pitching this year, and you probably win another World Series, but now if Dallas Keuchel leaves, it won't be a just total... Whatever. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, if Keiko leaves and you really have nobody to step up to take his place, it'd be kind of like, well, we got one year left of Verlander. Uh, one year in the future, we all have no idea. You know, I have faith that McCullers will figure it out in the rotation, and his arm will stay healthy. But at the same time, too, pitchers' arms are frugal things. They are fragile. Uh, you can't really take a pitcher's arm for granted anymore. And uh, – I like the idea. I probably like the more idea of Darvish over Arietta. Arietta's shown some tr- um, 
kind of a down uh, downturn in some of his velocity over the past couple of years. But Arietta is still a very good pitcher, and I think for the right price for either one of those guys, I would sign him. Now, like what you were saying, Eric, regarding the whole how much money they have, that's a, that's the a tricky part. Of this whole equation is they're going to have to start thinking about paying guys a couple of years down the road and how they're going to fit that into this budget. Don't forget, we're still waiting to see them to really give that one big extension to say, okay, they are serious about giving out big extensions to these guys. And we know how analytical... It's going to be Altuve. Yeah, it's going to... It's going to have to be. It's got, it's got to be. For pure... It's got to be Altuve at then Springer. Yes. And then, like, this whole... like, But we know how the Astros think with their whole analytics... And it's the same kind of question that's come up with the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw in one year's time when he opts out, presumably. That, you know, how do the analytics view some of these guys that we have fallen in love with on the Astros? Keiko is a good example. Like, what do, what do the Astros and their analytics and within their front office think of Keiko going forward? And that's the whole thing is uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are, whereas I think they could get a better deal for Darvish or uh, – Arietta than they can for Keuchel in one year's time, but that's the whole thing is they have to find the money somewhere. You can't lean on Forrest Whitley to he could be a great pitcher down the road, but it's also irresponsible to put that much pressure on a guy to step in and really take over that number two, number three role right off the bat. It's just yeah. Hey, just imagine this rotation: uh, Dallas Keuchel this year, Justin Verlander. Charlie Morton, or no, no, sorry, Lance McCullers, then Charlie Morton, and then Darvish. And now Morton will probably be fourth, uh, fifth, and then Darvish mm-hmm. will probably be fourth. And but that would be a dynamic rotation, and you have one of the best hitting teams in baseball. Now you just gotta kind of squeeze through the bullpen. But then you're gonna have Brad Peacock in the bullpen and Colin McHugh, unless you trade Colin McHugh and Brad Peacock for maybe a mm-hmm. closer or something. So. Uh, one closer we're not going to be training for is Mr. Zach Britton. Yes. He, he ruptured his Achilles, and supposedly he's out now six months. There was – I think he did uh, speak with one of the national writers. I can't remember off the top of my head. Either John Heyman or Ken Rosenthal, I believe. But uh, he basically said, like, since I'm not a position player, I could come back sooner. But you never know. Achilles injuries are very tricky as well. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of glad the Astros didn't bite the bullet on him last year, you know, or, or in the uh, the deadline. Just saying, but yeah, uh, he's off the market. Which now the the rumors should, maybe should ramp up about another left-hander that we've all been somewhat familiar with, and that's Brad Hand of the Padres. And they, they want too much. They they the, want too much for that muffler. Oh yeah, AJ Preller, the GM over there in San Diego, they want way too much. Uh, like Eric was saying in return, like. We never knew exactly what the offers were between some of these teams, or what you know was said. But I imagine Forrest Whitley or Kyle Tucker. From what I heard, it was both, and the Astros said, "Well, well, yeah." And AJ Preller, to be honest, he is one of those kind of like ballsy GMs. He's not afraid to to try to get the best deal, and so. But yeah, he's. it's not. I, I kind of got the vibe that it's not easy to negotiate with AJ Preller. Right. Hey, you want to hear something scary? What if? Remember how everybody was criticizing the Astros at the trade deadline when it expired, and then you Darvish was there, and you could have had him, and then the Dodgers swooped in at the last second and got him. Imagine if we had traded for you Darvish, 
and then we would not have gotten Justin Verlander. And how would Jose Altuve and Justin Verlander literally love each other if this didn't happen? I don't think we have, would be in a World Series if it wasn't for Justin Verlander. He was just – he was that Randy – I said he was going to be as good as Randy Johnson. Uh, uh, you can go back and look at my article. Go back and – I said uh, he's going to have a, a better than Randy Johnson-like impact. People laughed at me. Oh, he's not going to be here for that long. I mean, he's not going to be here as long as Randy Johnson were. I'm like, yes, but he's going to be here two years longer. And he, I, But anyway, but um, Verlander, what can you say about Verlander? He's, he just he rediscovered himself. He needed out of Detroit, and that's why you see some players leave teams that – like um, uh, Evan Longoria. Mm-hmm. He's kind of been – He's been a great player, but he's never reached superstardom. Maybe he had to get out of the uh, 3,000 fan stadium of uh, whatever they play. <laughs> yeah. so, but now he's with the Giants, and we'll see what happens there. So um, Yeah, and like the whole thing with like, like you're saying with Verlander and Longoria, yeah, sometimes it's just a change of scenery, just a rejuvenation of sort, like shot in the arm, you use whatever saying you want. That – that can sometimes mean the world difference. And like Verlander, like Verlander, like kind of, you know, he rediscovered himself in Houston. And he, I, I think he really, he, I, I agree with you, Eric. He, he really put this team over the top. If it wasn't for him, there's no trophy sitting in Minute Maid Park right now. Yeah, I think he wanted to go to Cubs. I think he wanted to maybe go to the, the, the Dodgers. Dodgers. Mm-hmm. But um, I think um, they, they, I think they told him it's the Astros or nobody, and maybe he didn't want to go to Houston because who wants to go to Houston? But then Harvey happened, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying that that was good, but I think that was what kind of led towards the uh, acquiring Verlander and then getting um, getting the World Series. So uh, in the last uh, six minutes or so, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. The Marlins are having a stupid fire sale <laughs> they are trying to get budget all the way down to the 2000 what 11 astros or was it 2012 oh, I, it's gotta be what, what was the like oh no it's the 2013 astro oh wait, hang on. So that was pretty low that, no wait, that was too yeah. low uh they want to get to nothing n- yeah, yeah yeah they're trying to yeah jeter whoever his partner was on that deal they want to remake all recoup all their money by not paying players but yeah and i think that they're they're trying to do the astros mode but that's not their motivation they're doing it to because they bought this team for so much money and then there's so much debt associated with the team with the new stadium and everything so it's just they're they're finding out that being an owner is not what's cut out to be but anyway can we take advantage of the marlins we've done it before with the moises <laughs> alu uh, he comes to mind, but uh, is there a chance the Astros can go out and get Christian Yelich and or uh, JT Realmuto? Uh, I think uh, I think both of those could be very very good uh, options. Uh, I'm not sure how possible Yelich would be considering his you know his contract is just so team friendly. You know, you'd have to give up some good prospects. Yeah, I'm talking about Tucker. Yes, you have to most uh, most assuredly you have to get rid of uh, or trade uh, Kyle Tucker to get your hands on Christian uh, Christian Yelich. The question is at that point is how do the Astros view Yelich versus Tucker's long term potential? Right. And then uh, uh, JT Rilamuto, like you know, there's a very good possibility like he would also fill a need on this team. Uh, you know, he is another. Uh, 
catcher himself. But at the same time, too, he's also going to ask for a lot. Uh, the Marlins ask, uh, ask for a lot in return. And uh, I think you can take advantage of the Marlins mainly for the fact that they, they're just trying to slash payroll. That's their primary motivation. They're trying to hide a little bit behind the veil of like, oh, we're trying to do this for the long term. But let's be honest, they they made all those trades just so they could cut payroll, save some, save some bucks, and, you know, and really their long-term motivation is like anything with the Marlins. You just don't know. And uh, But I think Yelich and Rilamuto, I think you could get them. They won't be cheap, but you can, in theory, get them, I think, without really – hampering the major league roster. I think, I mean, yes, Kyle Tucker and Forrest Whitley are both basically untouchable, but I think if the Astros had a choice on who to keep, I think they would probably keep Forrest Whitley. Mm -hmm. I just think that pitching is so hard to come around and uh, just talent like his, he's dominating in his limited experience and all that stuff. So uh, it depends, but now you can appreciate what uh, Drayden McLean did. He sold off a lot of the team before he sold it to make it more user team friendly. So when the new owner came in, he, well, he 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 dismantled the team anyway, but he didn't have to do drastic. And we didn't have a Stanton on the no, team. No, no, like uh, that's the thing is when the Astros went through their whole fire sale, like Lance Berkman, Roy Oswald, Hunter Pence, Michael Bourne. The best return we got was. Hundred pence to the Phillies, and arguably all four of the players that we requ- acquired, they didn't really contribute that much to Houston. So it's just one of those things where prospects don't always mean everything. But at the same time, too, that was a nice little courtesy for Jim Crane and his ownership group, where he didn't have to go through the bad PR of like you're the you're the guy who traded Oswald, you're the guy who traded Bertman, you're the guy who traded Pence, you're the guy who traded Bourne. You know uh, that. They were able to start with kind of a fresh slate. Well, then they just saw that slate and like, well, let's burn this baby down to the ground and flamethrower right. it, flame it down. But, but yeah, it's just one of those things where, um, yeah, they the, – the, the Marlins are they, – they probably think they're going the Astros route, but they really aren't. But, that, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Eric. I think Forrest Whitley is probably the more untouchable between the two uh, – between him and Kyle Tucker. For example, let's just pull up a, one little – Oh, one little stat here, or a couple little stats. Uh, Forrest Whitley, in each stop he made in 2017, for the most part, he got better. If you if you take a look at over at his Fangraphs player profile, he posted a uh, a FIP of 2.66 with the Class A, then 2.09 with the Class A plus, then a 1.68 with uh, with uh, with double A, so yeah, he he really just stepped up his game as he went through with each stop. And of course, you expect growing pains and everything. But Whitley, I think this kid, he is legit, mm-hmm. and he's a big part of this team. Yeah, I know. Early, we heard uh, comparisons Josh Beckett, but I think he could be better than Josh Beckett I and all think that. So, too. so anyway, so um, yeah, there's not much going on this off season so far. There's a lot of rumors out there, but honestly, I think the I think the Astros are done. I don't think they're going to add any more. If they do, it's because uh, it's going to be via trade, but I don't think they're going to take on too much more payroll. I just I just don't see them making any more big splashes unless they decide to go after a pitcher to replace Dallas Keuchel. So um, anyway, guys, you've been listening to CTH Podcast. Uh, I wish we could have come up with a better name, but that's what we had to use. So, uh, But anyway, uh, it's... 
you did uh, pretty well for your first uh, time. And Thank you, Eric. So, um, guys, we're going to do this every week. You can find me on Twitter at Eric underscore CTH. You can find Cody at uh, Cody underscore CTH, and you better follow. <laughs> yeah. And, guys, read our stuff at Climbing Tals Hill. You've been listening to CTH Podcasts where we bring Tals Hill back to life to talk Astros baseball. We'll talk to you next week, and let's go get Darvish. Woo!